Hello, this is Pastor Ryan Clark. You are listening to a message from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. See and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but a lot of our readings and our hymns chosen for today have the common theme of test. How many of you, either you're in school right now or you were in school, how many of you enjoyed taking tests? There's always one. All right, we got a couple over here. There's always a few, but for the majority of us, I would say that when it comes to tests, we're like this kid, right? I hate taking tests. Why don't we like to take tests? Well, the reason is, is because it makes us nervous. We don't know how we're going to do, right? It really puts us to the test. Well, all of the tests that we don't like in our life are nothing compared to the tests that Abraham went through in our Old Testament lesson. So what we're going to do here today is we're just kind of going to kind of quickly go through that test that Abraham went through once again. And we're going to look at some other passages in the Bible that talk about God allowing us to go through these tests in our life so that we can better understand them, number one. And number two, so that we will have a good chance at actually passing those tests when they come our way. So in Genesis chapter 22, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. I remember the first time I really studied this passage, I was kind of blown away at God's words to Abraham. It, it was almost like he was really rubbing it in, right? Take your son, and just in case you don't know which one, your only son. You remember that one that you really love? And go and sacrifice him to me. This was an unbelievably difficult test that God was allowing Abraham to go through. Now, none of us can even imagine what that must have been like for Abraham. But now add to that, that this is the son that Abraham and Isaac had been waiting literally a century to have. By the time Abraham finally got to hold his son Isaac, he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 years old. They had waited their whole life for this son. And I can't imagine how happy, how joyful they were to have him. And then God said, take your son, your only son, the one you love, and go and sacrifice him to me. What a test. Look at these next few words. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, when he had enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. 
So there's no procrastination here. Abraham got up early the next morning to start out on the task of sacrificing his son. I don't know about you, but I would certainly be procrastinating. I'd be like, well, let's have breakfast first, maybe lunch. Let's go next Thursday, something. I would not be in a hurry to do it. But what did Abraham do? He got up early and started on his way. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Now listen to these words. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Obviously, if he sacrifices his son, there's only one person coming back, at least one person coming back alive, right? What was Abraham saying in this? That we will come back to you. Well, we actually don't know in the Old Testament. We have to get all the way to almost the end of the New Testament to figure out what was going through Abraham's mind. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. What it's saying here is this, as Abraham was making that journey, he was thinking through in his head, God told me that this baby that was born miraculously in our old age is going to be the one that through him, I'm going to have thousands upon thousands of descendants and that he's going to be a blessing to the entire world because the Messiah is going to come through him. And so if God makes me sacrifice him, if he makes me go through with this, well, then God's just going to have to raise him back from death. That's how much Abraham believed God. That's how much Abraham knew that every time God makes a promise, he keeps it. One way or the other, all of his promises are unbreakable. And so they proceeded up the mountain. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? That must have been, no pun intended, a knife through his chest right? Oh, as Isaac started to put two and two together, we've got everything for the sacrifice, but what's going to be sacrificed? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, 
Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it instead of his son as a burnt offering. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, or in Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All that to say, Abraham, you passed the test with flying colors. And because of it, I can now use you to bless the whole world. What kind of tests are you going through in your life right now? We have a whole bunch of tests that we will go through in our life just like Abraham did. They might be physical tests or financial tests or relational or emotional or mental or all kinds of tests come our way. What are you going through? What we're going to be looking at here today for the remainder of this message is this. What does it mean that we're tested? And how can we assure or be more assured that we're going to pass those tests just like Abraham did when they come our way? The first point that we're going to look at is this. Sometimes God saves us from trials and sometimes for reasons that only he knows, he allows us to go through them. That's just the way that it is on this side of eternity. I can look back over my life and there are times when I see a trial coming my way and I will ask God to deliver me. And before the trial even comes to pass, he will have delivered me from it. I love those times and I give glory to him for taking care of me in that way. But there are other times in my life that I see the trial coming my way. I call out to him for help and he allows me to go through that. When you look in the Bible at the people that go through trials that are tests for them, it's a who's who of, of the Bible. Not only Abraham, but also people like Moses and, and Job and, and Joseph and, and Peter and the apostles and Paul. Everyone goes through those times of testing and trial. And look at what it says in James 2. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Now, why is this an important passage? Because I think sometimes 
when we're going through a trial, when we're going through a really difficult test in our life, it's easy to listen to the voice of Satan screaming in our ear. It's because God doesn't like you that you're going through this. Or it's because he's mad at you that you're going through this. But remember, Abraham went through the hardest of testing and trials. And what was he called? He was called a friend of God. And Jesus said that he laid down his life for his friends. You are friends of God as well. So when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a really hard time of testing in your life, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or that God has abandoned you or that God is, is angry at you. All of God's friends go through trials. We all do. We all take our turns at it. Jesus said it this way, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. One day we're going to be safely home in heaven and we will never ever have times of trial and testing ever again. But that's not the way it is as long as we're here. We're going to go through times of testing and trial. So that's number one. Number two, if he allows us to go through a trial, it is always, always, always for a reason. I think sometimes we think that we love better than God does. You say, well, how's that so, Pastor? Well, would you intentionally put your child through a really difficult testing or trial? No, you wouldn't do that, right? We are trying to protect our children. But then why would we think that God up there in heaven, who loves us far greater than we could ever love our children, wants us to go through times of testing and trial? If we are going to have to go through it, and sometimes we do, it's not for no reason. It's because God knows that we absolutely have to go through it. There's always a reason for it. As it says in Romans 5, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. When you and I go through these times of testing and trial, God's goal for it is that he would work in us hope and faith that we didn't have before. To put your hope in the Lord, and what hope means is that you know that he's going to come to help you. And so you trust in that. You hold on to him knowing that your helper is on his way. We need that in our life because, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not that our problems get easier as they, we get older. They're going to get harder. They're going to get bigger. And if we don't learn to have that hope and trust in the Lord early on in our lives, 
then when those big things happen later on in our lives, they're going to sink us. And so God is trying to teach us how to put our hope and our trust in him through the trials that we go through because he knows we're going to need it. Number three, if he allows us to go through a trial, he will never leave us through that trial. Once again, why is this important? Because sometimes it can feel that way. Sometimes it can feel like, where are you? Where are you? I've been calling out to you and it just keeps on getting worse and worse and worse. But faith is not based on our feelings. Faith is based on what God has said. And just like Abraham teaches us, God is going to be good to his word no matter what, even if he has to do a miracle. How can we be assured that he will never leave us or forsake us? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus was forsaken on the cross. When he was hanging on that cross, he took all of your and my sin upon himself, and he was paying the penalty for it. And what's the penalty? Separation from the Father. But here's the point. Because God's Son, His only Son, the Son He loves, because He paid for it for us, because He took the penalty of being separated from the Father, when He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't just his feelings. He was actually experiencing being separated from God. And because he was separated from him, you and I will never, ever have to experience that. Jesus won that for us. Abraham told us many, many years ago, God himself will provide the lamb, the lamb of God, for the burnt offering my son. And because he did, God will never leave you. He will always be with you as you go through that time of trial in your life. Number four, we are to look at the trials that we go through as tests. The Bible on many occasions uses these two words kind of interchangeably. We see one of those in James 1 where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish the work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when you go through a trial, don't say, God, you must not love me. Just the opposite. He's allowing you to go through it because he knows that it's going to grow your faith. It's going to grow your hope in him. And hope is not going to disappoint you. As you put your trust in the Lord and as you wait for him to come, he is going to come. It's not going to disappoint you. And as you learn to put your trust in him and not panic in the time of trial. You're going to grow in your faith. You're going to be become mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
It's a good thing. It's hard to see it when we're in the midst of it, but it's a good thing when we go through those times of testing. Number five, we pass the tests by holding on in faith and hope to God's promises. We fail the tests when we panic. And you know what? Every one of us have failed tests, haven't we? All of us have. I have. You have. There have been times when I look back and I just outright panic because the test is too much for me to handle. In Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about the people of Israel when they were on their way to the promised land. They were out in the middle of the desert. And it says about them, We have heard the good news even as they did, but it did them no good because it was not mixed with faith. He's saying this, those people that were out there in the desert and they were going through a really difficult time of testing, they failed. They panicked. When they got out into the middle of the desert and they got thirsty and they thought, we're going to die out here in the desert, they panicked. When they saw Pharaoh and his army coming toward them to kill them, they panicked. When they got to the promised land and they saw giants that were there, they panicked. And because they panicked, what happened? They had to stay out there in the promised land, or they had to stay out there in the desert, not going into the promised land. And they had to go around and around and around for 40 years before they could go in. As I thought about that, it reminded me of a funny scene from an old movie, European Vacation. Maybe some of you have seen that. There's one part in European Vacation where they get on this roundabout and they can't get off the roundabout. Every time they try to get off, a, a car pulls up beside them. And so they're going around and around and around And pretty soon the sun's going down. They're still going around. And every time they go around, Chevy Chase says to his family, look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. Look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. And around and around they go. When we panic, when we fail those tests, kind of like the Israelites, God's like, I got to send them around again and again and again. And again, until they learn this lesson, because they're going to need this later on in life. What does God want us to do? Whenever we go through trials, we are to remember the promises of God. And you can't remember the promises of God unless you know what they are. And so we put ourselves around the word of God. We go to church. We open our Bibles. We listen to Christian music. We Any way that we can, we try to take in those promises of God. And then when the trials come, we hold tightly to them. Because just like Abraham said, God is never going to break his promise. And so when we go through a trial, we grab onto the promises of God and we mix it with our faith. In other words, I say, God is good. He never breaks a promise. Here's a promise. I'm holding onto it and I'm going to trust him. 
I remember four years ago when I was going through Lyme's disease, and there were a few months in there that I was really, really struggling, thinking that I wasn't long for this world. And I'll be honest with you, I had times of panic. But there were other days that I just said this, God is good. I know his promises in the Bible about him coming to my rescue and being my healer. And I'm going to trust that with everything I've got until the last minute of my life. And if by chance I do die of this thing, at least when I get there to heaven, God's not going to say, why didn't you trust me? He's going to have to explain to me what I got wrong. But I'm going to trust him until the last minute because I know that his promises are good. Number six, if we don't pass, God doesn't love us any less. We all fail. We all fail the test that sometimes God puts into our life or allows into our life. But when we fail, God doesn't love us any less. It's like if your kid or your grandkid came home from school and you said, how'd the math test go today? Uh... Can we change the subject, Dad? No. How did it go? And they pull out the math test, and there's a big F on the top. You're not going to love them any less, right? You know they're going to have to retake the test, but your love for them hasn't changed one bit. And in the same way, when you and I fail those tests, and we do, there are times that we forget and we panic he doesn't love us any less. In Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's zero condemnation because Jesus took all the condemnation on himself. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's a love that doesn't end. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ who's been baptized, this is your promise. He loves you with an unfailing, unchanging, eternal love. And that isn't going to change whether you pass or fail your test. Look at Simon Peter. Look at the tests that he failed. Jesus tells them, I'm going to die. And Peter says, I'll die with you. And Jesus says, no, that's not going to happen, Peter, at least not right away. In fact, by the time the rooster crows, you're going to have denied me three times. And that's exactly what happened. But then after Jesus rose again from the dead, he pulls Peter aside and he says, I forgive you and I'm reinstituting you as a disciple. In fact, the head disciple. He didn't love Peter any less, even though he failed miserably the test that he went through. And finally, number seven, but if we pass the test, then we will have grown. That growth will prepare us for all kinds of things. It'll prepare us, like I said before, for even greater trials that are coming down the pike. It will prepare us to be used by God in ever greater ways. As our faith grows in him, as we 
finally understand that I can take it to the bank whenever he makes a promise. He's going to be able to use me for ever greater things. Maybe one of your prayers is this, God, I want to be used by you to do great things in this world before I go home. I hope that's our prayer. But if you look at the people that God uses for great things, there's a common denominator, and it's this. They've all gone through great trials in order for their faith to grow so that God can use them to do great things. And finally, number four, if we pass the test, our growth will ultimately give Jesus the glory. And that is the whole purpose for for life. In 1 Peter 1, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though for now, in a li- for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of, of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So when God allows us to go through a trial or test, it is always for a reason because he loves us and he knows we're going to have to learn how to put our trust in him. He's never going to leave us when we go through those trials. He's going to be right there with us. And as our faith grows, God's going to be able to use us in ever greater ways. And it's going to give Jesus the glory. So you know what? None of us like tests. None of us like tests. But when God allows us to go through them, it's ultimately going to be for our blessing. May God help us to pass those tests with flying colors in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.